Bedroom Battle Pass. The Archives. Me and you, Season 2. Alright, let's kick it. Welcome to the Canberra Metalhead Show. You got Marky Malpas and JDK, and this is the second part of the um, of our thirty year extravaganza through the um, the metal scene. Bolt thrower with Cenotaph, uh, brought in by Joel, and um, it's kicking off the the nineties. So that one there, I noticed Joel. You uh, we got um, obviously Joel and Reggae in the show again for the next edition. Um, you brought that one in. That's the uh, Bolt Thrower album. I also noticed that it's covered in uh, signatures on the front there. It's pretty cool to uh, to have a signed copy, man. Yeah, they're they're one of my favourite bands. We were lucky enough to um, tour with them in '93, I think. We did uh, seven shows with them, and yeah, really excellent, excellent band, really excellent people. So yeah, we're really lucky to be sort of part of that. Uh, and at that time, they were one of my favourite bands. So when one of your favourite, when you get the tour support to one of your favourite bands, it's kind of yeah, even better. So we had an absolute ball on that tour really good people and yeah really good memories yeah right man well it's like one of those things where um a lot of the time people say oh we you know got a support for a band we would have been to watch anyway but now we're supporting that's even better you know yeah Uh, that's how i felt i felt i would have tried to sort of go and see you know as many shows as i could so yeah i got getting to play with them for um seven shows was awesome and yeah. they were just really good dudes. They watched us from the side of stage. I remember Lucy's strap sort of came off and, and the and the singer sort of quickly ran out and was roadie and, you know, fixing her, <laughs> fixing Lucy's strap back up. You know, so just things like that, you know. That's right, man. Yeah, they were just really mega down to earth and just, man, so heavy. Like seeing them live, it was just like, they just sounded so good every time you saw them. Yep. And just this massive, big, big sound. And just, yeah, good songs, just killer band. Cool, and so that was a support with Armored Angel, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So I'm pretty sure it was '93, but I don't. Yeah, I reckon it was '93. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I think we did. Um, we played um, a couple of shows in Sydney with them. Uh, we played Canberra. Played three in Melbourne and one in Brisbane. I think. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. No, it was it was a good time. Except the promoter ripped everyone off. The promoter, <laughs> yeah, left, um, bailed down on the tour halfway through. Yep. And uh, luckily, Matt, my brother in the band, sort of insisted that we get paid after each, each each night. So we got paid for the first four shows, I think. So by the time we got to Melbourne for the last three shows, we didn't get paid, but it didn't matter because uh, we at least covered our costs with the first four. But yeah, Bolt Throw got totally ripped off. But I think they joined the, the union before they arrived. Mm-hmm. So the musicians' union came down and paid them everything that they rode and, and sent them home. Oh, perfect, man. Well, it's sometimes you hear, you know, stories like that in the scene. It's not cool, but at least you guys were on top of it to start with. I mean, yeah, you still got shorted, but, man, keeping on top of your game. Oh, mate, I would have done it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, man. I would have done it for nothing. It was awesome, but, yeah. yeah. Still no, would have been nice if the promoter had paid us. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, sometimes um, things like that happen, especially, you know, in the earlier days, um, less... Um, 
less stories you know travel as they don't stories don't travel as hard as what they do now i think these days people are really scared to um you know usually dodgy promoters get outed pretty quickly yeah you're right this bloke was able to sort of land them in the country and i don't think he even had return tickets for him i don't think you can do that now yeah so when they were at the melbourne airport they they couldn't they couldn't leave yeah they right. couldn't get their gear home from from memory so yeah, luckily right. they joined the union otherwise i don't know what they would have done yeah right you might have been touring with them for longer than you expected yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. well you know we toured with them now they're staying at my place i uh, got them a part-time job you know yeah. before you're not. <laughs> busking down the corner yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, but if you had a seen them on that tour absolutely you have been a bit too young were you no I was, I was at that one that was um one of the oh, better right. shows i've ever seen yeah yeah right yeah excellent so yeah. i was a bit too young but managed to sneak in yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got stories of sneaking yeah. into the uni yeah <laughs> yep i think someone stage dived and um sconned themselves pretty bad and then a whole bunch of us jumped in while security guards were outside yeah right, yeah, right. right you got a better memory than me yeah, <laughs> yeah man well um I think uh, speaking of like touring bands and things like that, um, there was obviously some stories around that um, locally as well with Rock Ape as well. Reggae, you got a couple of bands that po- came through Rock Ape that you know you did the whole pick them up from the airport things like that. Um, you start to become part of that tour life as well yeah. as the venue owner and the support act as well. You know. Yeah, I don't know if I can tell you too much of my stories from picking up Mayhem. But yeah, yeah I don't know, if you wanted to cut off the tape, I'll tell you. You can decide what you want to put in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But I don't think it would come in under under an M rating anyway. So Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's one of those things, like some of the international bands that t- tour through, um, they're just as part of a tour. Some things um, you don't know what to expect when you rock up into another country, things like that. It's, it's always um, t- sometimes adapting to you know being in new places being supported by different bands and things like that it's always it's always sometimes a bit of a shock even to some of the bigger bands you know like going into new venues i even know now like bands that haven't been to canberra before it's the first time they've traveled through they their first impressions of venues and things like that um it all changes yeah yeah yeah. for sure yeah, but uh, anyway, so that was um, Bolt Thrower, a little bit of um, backstory on the band and um, kicking it off with our 90s edition of the of the show for this week. Um, and now we'll move on into a, another band that Joel's brought in, which is um, Impaled Nazari um, with uh, Still Vagina. So we'll kick it off with that one. And, um, and uh, we spoke some more about um, those guys, um, you know, before that, and it's all part of the 90s show. Um, and we'll be um, moving on now into some more 90s tracks. We've uh, chosen another one here with um, Terrorizer. Joel, you brought this one in again. Um, what's your feelings with the uh, Terrorizer album? We spoke a little bit just as you handed it to me about, you know, the dynamic of the band and, and some of the uh, the drumming and stuff like that. Is there any... Yeah, I suppose it's more the grind stuff that I wasn't ever really that into. Yep. But this album, for whatever reason, just seemed to... Um, you know, it's got a couple of guys out of Morbid Angels, got Sandoval drumming on it. And I was just saying before, for me personally, I just I just prefer his drumming on this than on Morbid Angel. It just seems to be a bit more direct, which is what I like. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's just a ferocious record. It's just, again, good songs, but just done really, really brutally. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like to hear, man. And it's all part of what we're doing with the show and, you know, showing some of the uh, earlier stuff. I think 90s was a good time where death metal started branching off into different types of death metal we had like um the beginning of like you mentioned before the more grindy sort of like in intense um styles as well as some of the you know 
not so much of the clear vocals starting to go more into the um into the heavier stuff as well with other bands yeah i suppose this is one of those albums again that just seemed to be really um sort of pivotal sort of that that created a whole i don't know it was just one of those really influential records for that style Mm -hmm. so stuff just sort of moved on from there so i tried to sort of i don't know i just brought in a whole heap of stuff that i thought you know had a big impact on not just me but i just think anyone that was around this era Mm -hmm. tended to sort of you know find records like this you know pretty pretty pivotal i suppose yeah that's good man terrorizer with dead shall rise that was the um and of the three tracks that Joel brought in, that was to uh, for the nineties um, tracks for for this show. And uh, now we'll be kicking it off with uh, th- three more from the nineties, um, with some of these chosen or all of these chosen um, by reggae. So uh, it all ties in with the show quite well. Um, we'll be kicking it off with a Psychrise track. Uh, we've played Psychrise on the show before. Um, Luckily, uh, got a few copies of, of um, one of their albums sent up from Lucy from Armored Angel. Um, sent those through from through uh, Helly Quinn Records, um, and we um, yeah lucky to have a couple of the the older ones in. But uh, we'll be kicking it off with Severance. So uh, that was a track chosen by Reggae. You what sort of um, what do you have to say about that track, man? Yeah, these guys have been kicking around Canberra for a fair while. Um, I'd seen them from about 92. I'm not sure exactly when they started, but they'll they'll definitely still go on until about 2002. Yep. So they'd be one of the longer-running bands that were kicking around Canberra. They were playing pretty technical death metal before anybody else was doing it in Canberra. And they had a, they had a lot of flair, like Yuri was an amazing guitar player. The, the drummer they had, Jamie, at the time, had some pretty good little jazzy chops to his drumming, and it was still probably the most extreme drumming we'd seen in Canberra. Mm-hmm. So these guys, in their own way, with technicality levels, the speed levels they're playing with, they, for Canberra, I reckon, set the bar pretty high. Um, I don't think there'd been anything like Psychrise before that in Canberra, at least, at any rate. Yeah. So it definitely opened up a few eyes and ears for people around. It brought extreme death metal to Canberra. Yeah. Cool. It's uh, it's like we we're saying before. It's one of those things where it's like it, it exists um elsewhere in the world, and then it comes to Canberra or it comes to Australia, and we have our um edition of it. It might not be exactly like you'd get overseas, which is not what you want. You want something with our flavor to it. So it's cool to see that we're developing. We had our own thing going as well, um, which was playing, you know, at this level. Yeah, I have to say Psychrise did match it with anyone overseas at the time as well. Yep. Like if you compare any other tech death band at the time, they were right up there with them. So yep. yeah, yeah I, more I power def- to them. Definitely agree. Uh, kind of underrated really. You know, I think they deserve to get a lot more credit for, for what they're actually doing. Yeah. Yeah, and Yuri is an incredible guitar player. Yeah, exactly. And we still like recently you can still see him play with bands like Tortured. Um, but you know, it's good to know where he came from and the music that he used to produce as well. Yeah, well, they had uh, Kill for Satan as well, and um, they're, they're really good as well. So he's, yeah. he's always done a lot of really, really good stuff. Yeah, cool. Well, now we're branching out to have more individual members on the show um, as opposed to entire bands. I mean, guys like Yuri is definitely um, definitely a good prospect for that kind of type of show. So who knows, may even be able to hear from him again um, in the studio one time down the track. So uh, stick around now, listen to um, a three-track three bracket, kicking it off with Psychrise. Sadistic Execution with Suspiral. Armored Angel with Hymns of Hate. 
good to uh, good to get a heavy bracket out there. Now we're moving through the nineties. We're getting some more. It's get things are getting heavier and heavier. Obviously, we had um, Psy Christ on there, and then Sadistic Execution to close it up. Getting some heavy songs. Armored Angels still um, s- strong to the metal roots that we've had um, previously in the show already. Um, and um, Reggae mentioned that you guys cover that song as well. Yeah, last couple of gigs we've been doing, um, we've played it. Mm-hmm. I tried to con Joel here into singing it with us at the Venom gig, but we, we didn't get it going. I did it at the rehearsal with yeah. you, and <laughs> I just couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people would love to have seen it, but that's all right, you know. But, yeah, I'll embarrass Joel a bit here. Um, Armored Angel, everyone probably listened to this would at least remember the name, even if you weren't old enough to have seen the band in full flight. But they did influence a whole subgenre of the Australian metal scene. Um, for me... I'm going to say it was the first real band I ever, I ever really saw. Like I'd seen a couple of my friends play in their garages or down the youthy or whatever, but when I saw Armored Angel open up for Morbid Angel, which is where it gets confusing to talk about, um, this was the first time I'd seen real musos play a real gig in front of big crowds. Yep. And it just sort of showed me that local guys can do it too. Like, Because um, I knew Lucy from the record store and that sort of thing, and I just didn't realise he was in the band, even though I had Armored Angel cassettes and stuff that I was listening to. It didn't sort of twig that that was the guy that was doing it. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw him on stage, I was like, wow, man, like, um, you know, if he can do it, there's hope for other other kids. Like I just already started learning to play a bit, you know, uh, messing around with Metallica songs, whatever yep. kids did at the time. Mm-hmm. But this was the sort of thing that gave me a, a kick in the butt between seeing Armored Angel and then Morbid Angel right after it. Yep. Seeing what a professional band looked like, sounded like, and the power they had over the crowd was just unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, and um, Matt to his credit, was a really good all-round guitar player. Like, he you know, kept a very solid rhythm. His leads weren't very flashy, but they were solid. The songs didn't fall apart, which is really hard. I find it's also a hard thing to do as a three-piece band. So it's something that, you know, I took a bit away from what Matt was doing in how to keep a song together as a three-piece, you know, like... Yep. Uh, which, even to this day, people people say that we do it quite well, but, you know, um, I saw Matt do it before us. Yep. Basically. Yeah, bridges that gap. Like someone that you know that that's you know selling your um, music and all that stuff, and then you're like, man, this this thing is like it's possible. I can see that there's someone there that I know that's in the Canberra scene, bridging that gap between you guys and you know Morbid Angel. Well, um, I had the exact same thing for me because Armored Angel existed before I was in them. Hmm. So when that first uh, demo came out in '85. You know, I was I was really heavily into it because again, like I was 15 years old, and there was a band that was coming out of Canberra. I couldn't believe that a you know band playing the music I wanted to play was you know out of Canberra. So I got to know Lucy and um, you know my previous band that I was in with Marcus, who's in Wichita with me. Marcus and I had a band called Under Oath going back in the in the mid 80s, yep. and we supported Armored Angel a couple of times. So. Mm-hmm. It was kind of for me. It had that same kind of uh, effect on me. It was just. It's more at that age when you're, you know, you're pretty impressionable and you can see something happening in your own hometown. Mm. It changes everything for you yep. because you actually see. All oh, right. Well, if they can do it, I can do it. And it just. And I think that's what happened. Maybe we were just one of the first bands in Canberra, and so a scene kind of a DIY scene grew out of that. So yeah, I can totally understand what you're saying, Reggae, because I felt the same with the previous lineup. Yeah, cool. Well, it looks like the band has, you know, um, has a spot um, in the scene 
like for your memories with both you guys so that's good to good to get it out and play play that music on the on the show well, that's Canberra. It was like a very unusual place because there was no, there's no pubs here, really. You know mm. what I mean? In the way, you know, every other city had like a scene where bands were playing pubs, and we didn't have it. Yeah. So we had youth, and to be honest, the youth cafe that was built here had a bit to do with, you know, the original youth cafe that I played at with Under Oath was the in the old Melbourne building, which was a disused um, post office. Mm-hmm. So we were actually playing in that. And people were sort of setting up gigs there, yep. sort of, sort of illegally. It was like a squat. <laughs> so there was things like because of that sort of scene that was happening, the funding actually came through um, to to build the youth cafe that was probably on the spot where we're sitting now, within mm-hmm. the old original Griffin yeah, yeah. Centre. So what happened from that is the whole of the Canberra scene was built purely off a, uh, from a DIY sense. You know, we mm-hmm. used to play the youth cafe. We'd build our own drum risers and we'd have to hire the, you know hire the venue we have to clean up afterwards so we had a very different sort of outlook in canberra and every band that we played with and all the bands that came after us had that exact same sort of work or that same ethos and it, and it built something strong canberra's always punched above its weight for um its its population in, in a metal sense you know mm-hmm. what i mean that's how yeah, yeah. metal for the brain and everything came from when lucy first organized um heavy metal holocaust in 86 Mm-hmm. that I played at as well as Under Oath. We opened that show. And um, so, you know, from that, that that gave me the insight to set up Metal for the Brain because that's how, as far as we knew, that's how you do a gig. You don't go to a pub or go to a promoter. You just do everything yourself. And Canberra had has, has always kind of had that. Mm. I think that's what sort of built. Plus, Matt and Lucy worked at Impact. They were ordering all of the all of the, the the metal section in Impact was second to none, you know. So if you grew up in Canberra at that time, you had people sort of in the scene directing you to what the best stuff was. Mm-hmm. So out of that, Canberra just sort of became... Um, and that really, that's that had a lot to do with Lucy for sure. Cool. Oh, that's right, man. Well, he's influenced the show here and uh, he, you know, sends for his stuff, um, music for the show as well. So um, that, that helps out. And also produced the Canberra Metalhead Metalheads patches so <laughs> you know so many ties in the scene and uh, still helping out where it can which is good one thing I will say about Armored Angel as well they also appeal to people outside the metal scene like you'd get um, the punk and hardcore crews turning up to the gig like in Canberra at the moment if you're a straight down the line metal band you might have a, a limit of about 100 people that's in your target audience whereas a band like Armored Angel that crossed over a couple of scenes even though they were fairly traditional metal, they, they'd get much bigger crowds and it would be people from the rock crowd, people from the, the alternate grunge scene, yep. people from the, the hardcore, um, I guess you'd like that suicidal tendencies sort of yeah, thrash, yeah. skater thrash scene. And that's what made these gigs really big is that everyone had sort of come together for it. It wasn't a sectioned off part of the scene. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame that things have changed a bit. Like gigs that seem to be set up now just seem to be one genre yeah. all jammed together whereas back in the day it was kind of like we were all battling against the same kind of issues so you know we, we played with all sorts of different bands and it just seemed to work it was good man it was a good time yeah. for sure there was a really good sort of camaraderie and and it sort of helped build a scene that i reckon still exists today there's you know i think the canvas scenes always had a really strong um you know metal community yeah 
Yeah, exactly, man. It's good to um, yeah, it's good to do all that. And you're right, though. A lot of gigs do just have a single type of of metal. Um, you know, I've seen a gig recently where um, Chud played with a bunch of like heavier, uh, softer bands, and it's sort of like the 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 slower, softer bands were just going like, wow, this is actually good to mix it up because normally we're with similar bands, whereas you just got Chud this like industrial sort of grungy sort of sounding guitar riffs and things like that um flowing straight into like a more of a power type setup you know what i mean well i'm gonna make some more interesting to go and see gigs like yeah. that yeah even if you don't like a band at least hearing something different you're not just getting smashed with the exact same thing the whole night i yeah. just reckon it's big but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, look, I, no like, I, like, I like death metal, but I don't want to hear five death metal bands in a row. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I want to hear a hard rock band. I want to hear a death metal, maybe something a bit left yeah, and a doom band. Yeah. You just mix it all yeah. up. It's the same with me. Like, I'm kind of, I suppose, in the doom scene now. But I don't, I'm the same. I don't want to hear five doom bands. And that's like a lot of the gigs that you do. It's just yeah. like, man, why, why can't you have, like, mix the whole thing up? just makes it far more interesting for everyone, I reckon. Well, things like like we said before which goal fits with a few different bands um as well like you guys can be on like a rock show metal show or a doom show i think i've seen yeah i reckon i reckon you're right because i think we kind of come from all of those backgrounds all of yeah. our influences sort of have that elements of that stuff yeah and, and we like, and we like doing it too you know yeah we, we played with a very sort of broad you know section of bands and mate i wouldn't mind i, I go and play with the black metal bands it wouldn't worry me the mm. crowd might not dig what we're doing but you know as far as i'm concerned i'm happy to play shows like that and have a crack and see what happens at the end of the day man like we all like heavy stuff you know if it's yeah. not totally your cup of tea yeah you still might get something out of it or at least break up the monotony of just the same sort of thing just getting forced yeah. down your throat exactly right and as well as it's all it's all talent based as well like you know you, you see the talent in a band you're like well i still you know i might not be into that style but i appreciate that um you know that guitaring that drumming you know even yeah but it's also like different crowds come you know what i mean like someone might see your band that actually likes you yeah. that wouldn't have gone to your show because they're actually going to see the other band on the bill that they yeah. do like so it just works all around i reckon but more just as um and you meet different people i just yep. reckon it just makes things more interesting but it doesn't seem to be that way most people tend to stick with yeah I don't know why that is. It used to be a lot more open like that, didn't it, back in the day? Well, I think I think it was a big part of the youth cafe culture as well. We were playing with a lot of grunge bands. Um, There was that funky primacy style stuff that was in in the nineties that we used to mix pretty heavily with. Um, And even now, like we're trying to get back into doing more mixed genre bills. Like we got one coming up at Queenbian Kangaroos Club or something in April, and I think we're the only metal band on the bill. But if we're good, you know, people may, may or may not like us, but they can't say we're crap, you know. We'll just do what we can do and hopefully they dig it. And I know there's a lot of metalheads out in Queanbeyan. So it's just, you just got to do that sort of thing and take a punt. It's, it's not always a safe way to go, but you will pick up extra fans for doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I also find that um, a lot of the, the clickiness is more like every subgenre now has kind of like a certain thing that they talk about. And a lot of people only kind of hang around with people with similar ideas, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, full. I don't know. Like, especially political-wise and, and things like that. And, yeah, sub-genres are get, just getting so specific. 
But I think, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. But I think also some bands worry that if they branch out and do these different bills, it's going to somehow have a negative impact from the people that are in that, that are really staunchly into that kind of yeah. genre. Yeah. And if you're I sort of playing too. in different ones, yeah. yeah. So we, we don't care. We're heaps older and just don't have anything to prove or anything to worry about. So we're just happy to kind of, you know. Yeah. Speaking from experience myself, um, with Inhuman Remnants, you know, we played death metal shows, death core shows, and then hardcore punk stuff as well. Yeah, right. And then, you know, we'll, we'll also play, you know, a black metal show or a grind show. It kind of, it's it's really good being able to do that myself. But. Yeah. yeah well, it makes it more interesting. Yeah. yeah well, we do the same. Like, we play with, like, you know, Mental Cavity and I exist. We're good friends with those guys. So, you know, we've played plenty of gigs with, with them. And our crowds are, are definitely different. Yeah. But there's so many people. Canberra's a small place, you know. You, yeah. you, you, you kind of tend to one degree of separation. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> doesn't take right. long sort of chatting to someone from Canberra and working out you're either or, related to them or, yeah. or, <laughs> or you went or to school one, with them. One band of <laughs> separation, like you were in a band with someone that was in another band. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Mate, you, you do start doing that whole thing. It's yeah. just... <laughs> the, the Canberra family tree of bands. Yeah. <laughs> the, I think the root of that tree would be Reign of Terror and everyone's branched <laughs> off from there. It's been in there at one point. When did you guys start, man? Pretty ninety four. Ninety four, full on. Yeah. I think from the first gig ninety four where I was writing songs from about ninety two. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. It's that's like, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> to still be kicking, man, yeah. that's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I'm hoping we've taken out the record for the longest running Canberra band. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, if I, you would by now, wouldn't mm. you? As long as the bladder spasms don't come back. Yeah, well, they never went away, did they? <laughs> Just that brief 12-year gap. <laughs> Hi, yeah, it's, it's a bit like the same with Inebriator yeah. as well. Like, those guys um, are back together now. I think when was they, they started in 93? Yeah, they gave us our first ever show, actually. Like, oh, yeah. right. Yeah, so... At the, the Town Centre Tavern, which became the basement at some point. Oh, right. Yeah, well, there you go. Um it became Pete's Tavern after that, didn't it? Wasn't it Townsend Tavern no. then Pete's yeah, Tavern? No, we played it. We played it when it was Pete's. I think. Oh, did you? Because it was yeah, it was Darcy's Den yeah. as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was Darcy's before before Pete's. Pete's, yeah. yeah. I worked at it when it was Pete's. Yeah, right. I can't remember now. You got me confused. Before <laughs> Kurt took over from Sound, I did yeah. a little bit of Sound there uh, with uh, Alan and Damo. Yeah. Yeah, right. There you go. Yeah, so the basement pre this is this is predating the basement. So. Yeah. <laughs> See, people don't know how good they got it with the basement now. Like back in our day, there wasn't there wasn't any pubs doing anything remotely like it. As it went on, there was um well, was terrace bar was good. Yeah, yeah, but like that came a, a little bit later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, when we first started getting the scene started growing in Canberra, there was there was nothing, and that's why as the scene grew, places like the terrace bar put yeah. shows on because they put a show on like 200 people would turn up you know what i mean like and and 200 drinkers with no aggro you know yeah. that's that's yeah. the other thing you know the the whole metal sort of community's just always been one that's just been heavily into self-supporting yeah and, self, yeah. Uh, and self-policing yeah. Yeah. yeah self-policing but also for a pub it was just the best like when i was in armored angel we used to play places like the collector tavern in Parramatta, and you know what i mean you get 200 people coming in and but the publican used to love us. He'd go, oh, you guys can come back every week. Because he mm. said 200 people come in, they drink like the, <laughs> there's no tomorrow and no aggro. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good good to see that it, you know the scene keeps itself alive that way, and uh, self polices as well. But uh, yeah, that closes up our uh, nine bracket, and um, you know playing through some of those um, bands there that kicked on later on into the two thousands. Um, but for now, that was uh, that was all the the bands and and not just the bands, but the albums that were released in the in the nineties. And we'll um, close it up with that. Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you for listening to some nineties nineties metal from Canberra and around the world. And uh, tune in next week for our final edition of the three part saga, which is the two uh, thousands. Yucca, yucca, bam. <laughs>